Hi, my name is Jennifer Thorpe, and welcome to the Pure Social Podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to educating, enlightening, and empowering others individually and collectively. As we grow and transform, we can impact lives positively and change our world. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited today. I'm actually in the studio, um, in Visionary Studios, and so I'm so excited about that. And I have a special guest with me today. His name is Danny Cardenas, and we're going to be discussing anger management. Um, Danny is a licensed clinical professional counselor. He's also um, a contracted disaster relief clinician. He has been able to work with thousands of youth and has also been able to work with the geriatric population. So I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much for making the trip, for coming in today, um, and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this topic. I know all of us can relate at one time or another to being angry. Um, I know I can relate, and there's something about that emotion that really can really overtake us. And I wanted to just kind of ask you just to really tell us a little bit about what is anger, you know, how it affects us, and when is it an issue, if you can kind of just start there. Oh, yeah, of course. I know when I, I saw the question, uh, it seemed relatively simple, um, but I didn't actually know what anger is. Uh, anger is definitely one of those emotions where everyone knows what it feels like. But to describe what it actually is, I had to look it up. And by definition, what it says is that anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure or hostility. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because when we think of anger, we think it's very like vengeful and hateful and bad thing. But if we look at the textbook, it's just something more so like a reaction. Right. No, and I appreciate that. And how do you feel like that actually affects us? So anger is also a very unique emotion in the, in the fact that um, it's often referred to as a secondary emotion. Mm. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times we're not actually angry about something. We use anger to mask feelings of like sadness or anxiety. Um, I've heard a lot of times that it's used like anger is often the heaviest armor that you wear. Because a lot of time we use anger to protect ourselves and not so much to show frustration. Right. No. And I appreciate you saying that as well, because I can even relate to that in myself for myself. And I know others, we've had conversations when you get hurt and you feel um, a sadness and you don't really know how to process all of that. You can start to feel really angry. And um, but a lot of times it takes a lot just to be able to say, oh, I'm hurt. You hurt my feelings. It's easier to just react with the emotion of anger. Um, so I was going to ask you, though, it's normal for us all to be angry. It's a simple part of life. It's it's normal. When is it an issue? When do we start to think, okay, maybe this is a problem, a problem that we're seeing in ourselves or maybe a problem that we're seeing with our kids and other family members, et cetera, with a coworker? When do you see this as being a big issue? Um, so anger, like, like all emotions, I think in society we have this uh, big misconception that the way we should be as people is happy, mm. all the times content, all the times in a good mood. And, I mean, we've literally demonized any other type of emotion, so having anger isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the way I started looking at emotions is emotions are more like alert signals that your body's giving you. If you're angry, it's more so because something has happened that you now feel the fight or flight response. Yeah. I was watching a, a TED talk about how to sit with your depressed friend. And I thought this was great because I think we naturally try to make the person feel better. Like, we feel that it is our job to get this person out of, like, anger or anxiety and depression instead of letting them sit with it. Or better yet, sit with them in the emotion. Emotions, the way we're supposed to deal with them is have them as passing 
um, I guess, movements of the body as opposed to trying to push it away or hide it. Anger is definitely one of those things that it needs an outlet. And if you continue to bottle it up, it's going to explode. It's similar to like a water balloon. You keep filling it up and filling it up or trying to put it to the side, Mm -hmm. it's going to eventually pop. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's when we start to see the issues that can come up, you know, when it is popping and then people are thinking, what's happening to me? What's going on? And I love when you said we demonize other emotions. And it's so true. Our culture, especially for those of you listening on the Western side, we are very focused on be happy, be happy. And we can really look at other emotions and like you said, demonize and put them in a box and not really allow our loved ones or people or even ourselves to be able to express them. So I appreciate you saying that because I think even for myself, I can see areas in my life where when I did express my emotions in a healthy way, I felt better. But when I tried to suppress them or keep them in, it was very harmful to not only me, but for any anyone else who was around me. So when you look at that and, you know, and we're learning how to really deal with anger, how do you think it kind of just uh, manifests itself? Or even before then, what are some ways that you think we get triggered or even to help us kind of be aware of maybe some triggers? Um, I think the same for, for any emotion, for us to really be aware of what it is that we're feeling, we have to find a space where we feel safe to kind of sit with it and analyze it. And if you think of your day to day, how often do people ask you how you're doing? Uh, and in a way that's not a passive, like, oh, hi, how's your day going? Like people want to know genuinely what it is that emotionally you're going through. And again, we mentioned about demonizing emotions. You don't want to be the person who's always in a bad mood, or you don't want to be the person who gets upset the smallest thing. Um, so I think self-analysis is a big thing. Um, journaling is a great way. Uh, I began journaling not too long ago. I was definitely one of those people who thought journaling would do nothing for me because I'm very solution-focused. Um, but like we used the water balloon example, if we don't find physical outlets for our anger, they're going to eventually burst. So I started to looking look at journaling as more so I'm now transferring the anger that I have into words. Mm-hmm. And now these are concrete things that I can visualize. So I, I recommend journaling for all emotions. Honestly, you'll be surprised how much happens in one day that you never stop and analyze. You're like, wow, like today was an eventful day as opposed to the generic, oh, I'm so tired because today was a long day. No, and I appreciate that because when I think about what you're saying, taking a moment to self-analyze and to journal and I love that you said, hey, it may not seem like um, something that might be helpful because I've been told that so many times. I don't want to write. I don't think this is going to be beneficial. But there is also neuroscience that talks about how our brains is something about writing and using your hand movement that really does help us. And I appreciate even the self-analysis because we oftentimes we're just go, go, go nonstop. So being able to stop and figure out why we're upset, what's helping us, what's hurting us is key. So I thank you so much for that. Um What do you think are the ways that anger comes out? Because I know for some people it can look explosive, but for others it can be like silent. (laughs) And sometimes one can be scarier than the other. But what are the ways that you've seen, you know, even with clients or just in general, where you've seen people really be really angry? Yeah. So I'll kind of go back to what we talked about before, how anger triggers the fight, flight or freeze response. Mm -hmm. So that's why you do see people who get so angry, they just kind of like stop still. Like they don't know what it is that they're supposed to react because it's such a sudden emotion. It's a a triggering event where you now have to analyze, am I going to fight whatever's in front of me? Am I going to run away from my problems? Or do I genuinely not know what to do? Um, And I think it's very common to see the outburst when you think of people who fight anger. 
Um, I know a thing I started to do when I felt like anger was too much for me to handle, I would walk away from the situation. And that was my flight response. But then sometimes you get so upset and you don't even know what it is that you want to respond. You freeze. So I think it's important to start looking at like the mind and body as one moving machine as opposed to like, oh, this was going on in my head and start realizing what goes on in your head drastically affects what's physically going on in your body. Mm-hmm. No, and I appreciate the connection to that because so often I think we compartmentalize and we get focused on one area and we kind of neglect all the other things that are happening. And anyone who's been listening to my podcast, I go on and on about the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And it is true when you're feeling a lot of emotions, re- we're reacting. I know I have shared there's something about my lower back. There's something that just happens where I'm like, okay, something's not right right here. Um, so I love the way you kind of gave those different examples that you were sharing because I think it's so important for us to be aware not even for ourselves, but to also be able to respect what's going on for someone else who's having a hard time. And so I appreciate just even this part, but I wanted to kind of get into, okay, so how do we begin to let go of anger? How do we begin to get control over our emotions? I think you've already started alluding to it, but what are some things that we can do to have healthy ways to deal with it? Um, I love TED Talks. I think it's, it's always great to listen to other people's viewpoints about happiness, happiness, uh, life in general, and how to control emotions. Uh, one I saw recently that really stood out was the breakdown of what the past, present, and future are. Mm. It was saying that the past is nothing more than um, memory and the way we interpreted what happened to us, and that the future is nothing more than imagination, what we think all these scenarios we create in our head is going to happen, um, and that the present is the only moment we genuinely have control over. Uh, so for anger or depression or anxiety, I think being present is the best way to kind of gain control of your life. Because if you're focused too much on what had already happened or you're envisioning what's going to make you upset tomorrow, it's very easy to lose control over something that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a technique that's really good to use is grounding. I know um, I have ADHD, so it's very difficult for me to focus on one thing at once. Uh, So I needed more so kind of uh, extreme measures. I would go to the steam room and I would try to follow a sweat drop from top of my head to like lower parts of my body for me to be able to concentrate on the here and now. Right. So I think uh, the more things you can find that use all your senses, the better it is for you to focus on. I'm here right now. What is this going on? Yes. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you even mentioned the TED Talk. I'm definitely going to make sure I put that in the show notes for people to be able to go back and listen to. And even just grounding techniques. I know something that helps me is just even washing my hands with cool water over it or even especially when the weather's warm. Right now it's been cold, but when the weather's warm, I love to take off my shoes, which is funny. I've never been the type of person to kind of put my feet down and touch the earth. Mm -hmm. But there's something about it that's really grounding for me. And um and just going for walks, things like that, the vitamin D. So I do think that what you're sharing is so important because it's hard to stay in the present. You know, I love what you shared. It's hard to stay in the present when we're angry. It's easy to go back to the past. And, um, you know, I've had so many people share with me personally about how when they're going to the past, they're drudging up everything that's happened. So they're not even focused on what the event was that bothered them and hurt them in that moment. They're bringing a bunch of material. And it's amazing when you shared about the future, how we can just get so focused on, oh my goodness, and just plotting all these um, ideas that aren't true. And it hasn't occurred yet. So I love what you shared about the present. Um, you've had an opportunity to work with adults. Um, you've worked extensively with youth. Um, but I would love to know, um, how do you think this really is affects adults versus adolescents and children because there's so many parents right now. I know 
um, that would love to know, how do I help my child through this? Or how do I help my teenager through this? Or even when you're having conflict with your significant other or just people that you, you know, you know, you have a relationship with that you're going to see on a normal basis and you're seeing anger. How do you think um, we can see that and help in, in any way possible? Um, so I know a lot of times people ask, do you think it's more difficult to work with adults or with children? And I always tell them it's actually more difficult to work with adults. Um, because if you can, if you can work, yeah. If <laughs> I you love can, it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think it's true. <laughs> no, it definitely is. Because uh, if you can work with a child, you can work with a difficult adult. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we always try to create some kind of, uh, I guess, wall between what it is to be a child and what it is to be an adult. When in reality, we all have the same core values and needs like um an adult still needs to feel validated an adult still needs physical touch an adult still needs someone to uh be there for them um so i don't think that there's a big difference on what we should do to help people who are dealing with with anger um a quote i really liked when talking about the topic of anger is that pain that is not transformed is transmitted Mm. um and you say that again (laughs) the quote is pain that is not transformed is transmitted i love that thank you and that's why you see a lot of people who you consider angry um let's say the parent yelling at the kid or the kid having an outburst at school um when you don't find good outlets for it it just pops Mm -hmm. you have to get it out yeah no and i i love what you shared because it's really about man we're getting all this energy inside and we have to figure out a way to get it out. And I agree. I do think that sometimes we can separate adults from children. Um, and I think it's, it can be really challenging, but I will say it's funny as a mom, I think sometimes I think, uh, the hiccup can happen in the communication piece and ways to be creative with our adolescent. Like I know I've had to learn, okay, we're not going to sit down and have a conversation. It's good to go for a walk with them and, or go for a car ride or do an activity, play a game while we're having a conversation. And I think even with kids like drawing with them, would there be any practicals that maybe you would give? Cause I do think you communicate a little differently with a child than you would an adult. Although sometimes I will say I am an adult drawing helps me <laughs> <laughs> to express myself. So to prove your point. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, again, trying to help uh, one or the other heal, we have to remember where it is that we started. Uh, most of our techniques we use to deal with our emotions are what we learn from our parents. And again, if when your kid gets upset, your first instinct is to, you know, la chancla or like <laughs> thank them, <laughs> um, then the children are going to start to learn that it's not okay to be upset. And if you are upset, you actually have to hide it. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a two-way street. Um, yeah. You should first analyze what is it that you do to deal with anger and is this a healthy thing that you had learned? Because yeah. if not, you're just going to create generations of angry kids who don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, that's a great point. And even to the chancla, I was going to ask you, how does culture play a role in all of this? Because I do think you have certain cultural groups where they tend to be more quiet and they don't talk. And then you have other groups where they might be a little bit more loud or there may be more you know, groups where have certain belief systems as far as how they discipline. How do you think culture plays a role in anger? Yeah, I mean, I think culture is one probably the biggest aspects. Uh, again, you, we learn so much by seeing what our parents do. We see what is socially acceptable. And we definitely try to find a way in which um, we can blend cultures. And I think that's where a lot of conflict happens. Once you have um, your parents from a different country and now you're in a new country and you're trying to balance what it is that they tell you in school and what they tell you at home, it gets mm-hmm. very complicated. And I think it's difficult to analyze how it is that your child must feel because we, we take a very uh, ground rule that everything's kind of the same, but, you know, growing up in a different country to what it is here, 
it is significant difference. So you have to analyze kind of like the environment and everything. Right. No, and I appreciate that so much. And even just being aware of like language dialogue and just the differences that occur and even the different belief systems, you know, like I, I appreciate that we have to really take that into account. Even thinking about couples who may come together um, and you may have children. And I know like in our family, like there's there's a mix, there's mixed cultures going on, you know, and there's mixed belief systems going on. And that's something that we have to be aware of and even just communicating. So I appreciate that. I know we've started to talk about some some of the tools, you know, we talked a little bit about self-analysis, journaling. Um, how do you think we continue? And I don't know if it's really the question is getting more tips, but how do we continue to become emotionally mature? Because a lot of times, again, it's not that anger is wrong. It's what we do with it. It's when we lose control of it. Um, and because a lot of times when we lose control of it, we get, we hurt, we'd hurt others. We're hurting ourselves, but we're hurting others. And so what are some ways that you think we can either become more emotionally mature or even where we can even start to see, okay, this person is growing emotionally, like they're maturing. Yeah, I definitely believe that like emotional maturity first starts with uh, self-analysis. Uh, how are you going to mature your emotions if you don't know what you're feeling or you never stop and think about what it is that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. um, so I think once you can analyze what it is that you're feeling, it's not only um, knowing about it, but being intentional. Yeah. Uh, I think li li living an intentional life is, is very difficult, um, but that's why it's good to kind of reflect on your day. If you had a good day, it's good to kind of reflect and see what it is that like transpired for you to feel like that and start being intentional about it. Like if you enjoy certain things, make that a part of your life. Stop waiting for things to happen to you for you to start experiencing emotions. Yeah. And I love that because being intentional will allow you to be direct about what it is mm -hmm. you're trying to accomplish and so forth. But even just, you know, figuring out what you love, you know, I think that's so important. We didn't topic call it self-care, but that's really, we don't take good care of ourselves, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I know we've talked offline about that and even just with the journaling piece, um, you know, I know we both have gratitude journals, <laughs> you know? Um, these are things that really do help. And I think it's so important. I love what you said. You got to know yourself. And I think we don't... Um, we don't take enough time, if we're honest, to really understand, okay, why does this affect me? How did it make me feel? And why did I feel the need to respond in the way that I did? You know, or even with our children, why is my child um, communicating with me that way? Because I did a podcast a couple of months ago with a dear friend, and we really talked about even how you share, you know, behavior is communication, you know, and that's something that I think is so important. When would you say, you know, someone really is having a hard time and maybe some of these things, they're going to need a little extra help when they would probably say, this is a good time for me to get some counseling, to bring some other people involved. And there's no shame. That's a great thing when you also know I need extra help because to your point, and I've shared this many times, a lot of times we learn from our parents and a lot of times we don't have the tools and it's not because people don't want to give them to us because they don't have them themselves. And so when do we need to say, I need a little extra help? When do you think that's that's something that we need to do? Yeah, I always think the best case scenario is to be um, proactive as, a, as opposed to being reactive. Um, but again, people, people are stubborn, uh, myself included. We wait till there's a crisis for us to be like, oh, I should do something about it instead <laughs> of try and prevent it. Mm. Uh, just kind of backtrack about how we shouldn't separate the mind and body. Uh, analysis of your emotions should very much also go with what it is that you're eating, uh, how much that you're sleeping. Yes. Um, honestly, most of our emotions are controlled by that. So when people are like, I've had five coffees, I didn't eat lunch, and I only slept for four hours, then you wonder why you're so angry. I mean, biologically, there's no way that you could really 
put on a happy face with that kind of like nourishment. <laughs> yes. yeah. But so much of the world does. Yeah. Um, so I think analyzing what it is, if you don't exercise, if you don't sleep well, I know uh, myself included uh, in my journal, I would write uh, how long it is that I sleep. And it's so sporadic. It'd be eight hours, four hours, 11 hours. And no wonder I have such a difficult time controlling my emotions. I have no real structure. So that creates chaos in your body. Mm-hmm. No, and I appreciate that because those are things when you think about what you mentioned, the eating, the sleeping, the balance really of it all. So I'm happy that that even popped in your head and you mm-hmm. were able to go back to that because it really is a holistic approach, you know, but this is good because I think to your point, if you're noticing that you're having a hard time figuring out what's going on with you, you're having a hard time being intentional, intentional, you can't take good care of yourself, you're eating and your sleeping is off. And it's been happening for maybe, you know, I don't know, would you say two weeks a month? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, but that you're seeing a pattern and you're also noticing that this is that the balloons popping. I love the analogy of the balloon. Then that might be a really good time to think I need a little bit of extra help. You know, is there anything else that you wanted to say to that? Yeah. So, uh, again, this is such an interesting topic. Uh, I mean, I relate with it a lot, too, because I've had a very difficult time managing my anger for so long. Uh, I sat down and talked to a friend about it and uh, he told me, OK, what if I feel like I have families and friends that I trust that I can talk to about my anger? Mm-hmm. Do I then no longer need professional help? And what I told them was this. The analogy I can use is that, like, your friends and family may know what a good nutrition is, what good diet is, what good exercise is, but it's the doctor who finds the cancer in you. Yes. And the same thing with your emotions. If you don't show emotions, if you bottle things up, even if you were to express yourself, it's only a professional that can really find what it is that's kind of killing you inside. Yeah, I love that. That is that's deep because at the end of the day, you know, people get educated and trained and they learn tools and techniques to be able to help draw things out of you. So I appreciate you saying that because I think that's another piece culturally. Oh, I don't need to go see somebody. Um, I don't need to talk about it. And I know even for myself, I mean, I've gone and had help in other areas of my life. And I think a big part of it was I felt like, oh, well, I have a really good community of friends. Mm-hmm. I have people who actually can help me and can help me even spiritually or can help me, you know, with my diet and so forth. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are suffering from something that can affect your mental health, um, that's a time for you to say, then I really need somebody to be able to get help with. You know, I didn't ask you this, but I would love to um, ask you really quickly before I ask you the last question is, what are ways that you do see when you don't control anger, how it affects our mental health? Like, what are ways that you see some of the things that can develop when you don't get a handle on it? Yeah, um, I know, personally speaking, uh, when I wasn't able to really manage my anger in a healthy way, uh, I got what people would call red eye, which mm-hmm. is you have outburst. Um, and then it's not till the crisis is over, you realize that was me who did such destruction, who said such hurtful things, uh, who did things that you can't take back. Right. And uh, that's kind of the analogy we keep using the balloon. Once it's popped, it's very difficult to try to put a balloon back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't find ways to kind of get, get it out, it's going to affect your mind and body in ways that you have no control over yeah and it's not so much about controlling the emotions it's being intentional about your reaction because in reality we can't control how it is that we feel the only control we really have is what we do as a reaction no and i appreciate that i appreciate your vulnerability i know for myself i i have found when i haven't controlled myself especially in the past i found it to be more isolating Um, And, you know, it can definitely lead to things such as sadness or depression or anxiety. There's so many areas that anger can 
literally lead to. And so it's so good if you do see that this is an area that you're noticing for yourself or for your children, et cetera. This is a great area to think to myself, hey, it's okay to get help because we need uh, someone who can actually help us and give us the tools that we would be able to get in order to work through the emotions that we're going through. And so I appreciate that. And I appreciate your vulnerability again, you know, because I think so often like each of us want to present like we're perfect. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's just that we have different skill sets and different tools. And I've been able to see you and I've been able to see you in action. And it's amazing to just see how, wow, like you really are someone who like even I tell you, I'm like, you're someone who I feel like, wow, you do such an amazing job with people. Like you walk in a room, you command a room. And it, that's something that inspires me. And so I just want to thank you for your time and everything. And before I let you go, I did want to ask you, what is something you would say to inspire someone who's been listening, who may be contemplating, wow, I'm really struggling with my anger. I don't really know what to do, or maybe I need to get extra help, but they, they're maybe they need a little extra encouragement to do that. I don't know. Like what's something that you would like to say? Um, walking into any situation, I think one of the, my favorite quotes to kind of hold on to is that the child who needs the most love will ask for it in the most unloving ways. Mm. Um, and then we need to reflect that sometimes that, that child can be very symbolic for ourselves and things that we didn't deal with. Um, I know it was very difficult for me to kind of channel my anger in, in a good way. And I went to a therapist about it. And I honestly hated my therapist. I thought she was whack. I, <laughs> I didn't enjoy her <laughs> techniques. Uh, one of the very common things for anger is like belly breathing or uh, being able to control your breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kept telling me, you're doing it wrong. And I would try again. And she's like, they're still doing it wrong. And I would try again. <laughs> and then it was so ironic to me that the technique she's trying to show me to calm me down was making me more upset. Um, it wasn't until I had that burst of the bubble where I told her, I was like, you know what? I had a horrible day. Like, you know, it was an incident where I broke things. I said hurtful things. Like, the police get involved. I had the worst time in my life. And is that what you want to hear? And what she said to me that really was kind of like an eye-opening thing because I, I told her a big mess of things, but what she picked out of that mess was, I'm so glad that you were finally able to say how you really felt to your family. Mm. And I was like, I told this woman that like the cops recalled that I broke all these things. And what she pulled out was that I was able to communicate my feelings no matter what was the way I did it. And I think going back to that quote that once we can be as kind to ourselves as we would a child, we can really begin to grow. Wow. I really appreciate that. That's powerful. Um And I just I thank you so much for that vulnerability, because I feel like that's the breaking point when that's when you're like, okay, now I can really get the help, you know, Mm -hmm. and I also appreciate the vulnerability and that it can be challenging because sometimes I know I've been there, too. I don't agree with what you're saying Mm -hmm. or I don't like this. But it's hard. And I think that resistance is what really allows us to grow and to change and develop. And that's part of the growth process of kind of learning something new can be so challenging, but I really do appreciate that. And I hope that everyone listening that we can really just um, learn from this conversation and that we can really listen to the child that's inside of us and deal with any of those unhurts or anything that has occurred in our lives so that we can really heal and be people who have control over our anger. So thank you so much again for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jennifer. Always pleasure seeing you. I hope today's podcast was thought-provoking and helpful. If you want more information, be sure to visit my website, thepuresocialblog.com. Sign up for my weekly newsletter and follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Also, I would love to hear about what resonates with you and what may have inspired you. Please leave a review and spread the word about this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.